you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. You know, we're talking about the, the finished commitment. And we have put that into an acronym, find, intercede, network, invest, send, and harvest. And we've talked about the find, the intercede, the network, and how the net works. And uh, this morning I want to talk a little bit about invest. But really, the, why are we talking about the finished commitment? Why are we, why are we discussing this? This is the vision that, uh, that we have as a, as a church of God to, to finish the Great Commission. God's called us to a purpose. How many understand that? And we as a local church, when we talk about our purpose as a local church, we talk about a body of believers willingly and humbly working together to achieve Christ's vision. And when we think about Christ's vision, we think about that we are to seek the lost. We are to serve others. We are to disciple and send the disciples. And we think about our, how do we do that? We as a local congregation have core values that we have set to help us fulfill this vision. And that is to be spirit-led. I mean, understand, we, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? To be spirit-led, to be authentic. You know, the world sees enough fake. Come on. So we're here to be authentic. I, I'm thankful for people who can come in and say, Pastor, uh, it's not a good day. I'm thankful for people who are able to express, I'm struggling. Because until we identify and are willing to say, you know what, I'm struggling, it is not until we get to that place where we can trust and have faith in the Lord to help us through. Amen? So we need to be spirit-led. We need to be authentic. We need to be uh, missional. God has called us to be missional, understanding that we have a mission all around us. And we have to be missional, life-giving and we have to be collaborative. We're working together, not just within the confines of the local church, but we're collaborative in how we reach the community. Amen? We work together for God's kingdom purpose. And I'm thankful that being a part of a church that, that wants to fulfill this vision and wants to fulfill God's plan and wants to follow the Lord. When we talk about invest, uh, it, it, that's, that's a troubling word if you have an IRA these days, isn't it? <laughs> when 20 to 25% of everything seems to be like flying off, you're thinking, Lord, help me. Will I ever be able to retire? <laughs> Investing has a sense of trust, doesn't it? Right? And, and, you know, when you look at long-term investing for retirement, you know, you can't look at the you can't look at the short term. That's what they say. That's what these guys tell you, right? Can't look at the short term because if you look at the short term, you'll pull it all out. And then you'll miss the 25% gain. This, this is what my, uh, my IRA guy tells me. And, and I've lost all my fingernails thinking about it, you know. I, mean, I was on track and now this is going to be like three or four more years. <laughs> but you know what? God's in control. I've watched great men of God sacrifice it all. I've watched missionaries sell everything. Let me tell you this. This is the, this is the fact. God will take care of you. He said that 
He will meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory. I trust him. Amen? I know the Lord's in charge. But when we think about investing into the kingdom, we, we have a, an understanding that it's the same in somewhat the same principles. It's a sense of trust. We want to invest in something we trust. But I can tell you this, there's no one greater that you can trust than God. Amen. Right? I mean, if he can't reproduce, then we're in trouble. And God has called us as as his seed to reproduce, and he has called us. And let me tell you something. Over the years, we have seen the church grow. We've seen miracles take place. We've seen the, the, the love of God move mountains, if you will. We know that God can. Amen? We can trust. And the idea is that we want to invest in fertile ground. That's why so many times we invest in missions, because we see God moving in powerful ways in missions, Right? But how many know that the same God that moves, whether it be in Honduras or Africa, the same God who moves in China, the same God who moves in Afghanistan or, or wherever we might, we might want to invest in missions is the same God that can move right here. Amen? Amen? Yeah. He's the same God that can perform miracles. He's the same God that can transform families. He's the same God that can save sons and daughters. It's the same God that can do whatever we need him to do and whatever he wants to do. He's looking for willing vessels. He's looking for people who are willing to say, here I am, God, use me. Amen? Amen. You know, there's an old song that, that uh, goes a little bit like this. Laying up my treasures in that home above. Trusting fully, trusting in the Savior's love. Doing what I can for heaven's holy dove. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Getting ready to leave this world of sorrow. Getting ready for the gates of pearl. Keeping my record bright, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Y'all sounded pretty good. We might have to try that again. Laying up my treasures in that home above. Trusting fully, trusting in the Savior's love. Doing what I can for heaven's holy dove. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Getting ready to leave this world of sorrow. Getting ready for the gates of pearl. Keeping my record bright. Watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. Next time we have choir practice, Megan, you got a whole, whole crew. Matthew chapter 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart? Father, I pray, God, as we sing the last song, 
And we declared that we would surrender our heart to you, that we ask you to come and consume, to fill. We say, Lord, here we are. Here we are, Lord Jesus. Lord, we surrender to you, Jesus. Have your way in us. Lord, today, help us to grab a hold of what the kingdom of God is tasked us to do. Lord, help us to capture the vision and fulfill your word. Thank you for all that you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Lay, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. You know, I had to turn a t-shirt inside out when I was in high school. It was a Christian t-shirt. But it had, it had on the front of it, no hot rods in hell. It was my witnessing t-shirt, but I guess because it had the word hell on it, uh, they had, I had to turn it inside out. They declared that a cuss word. If only that was the only cuss word that was used today. But hell's real. And no matter how much we gain, you can't take it with you. You can go to the tombs of all the pharaohs. And you can go into these magnificent Egyptian pyramids. And they have done archaeological digs and have went in and found all the treasures that they put in there so they could take it with them. But guess where it's at? It's still there. It's still there. Can't take it with you. When I look at this scripture, this is kind of um, Jesus talking about treasures, earthly and heavenly. Uh, he's, he's telling the believers you got to be on guard for, uh, against the world, the flesh, the devil. And, and, and in this, this is the part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in this section, he's dealing with the battle against the world. And he look at two issues, the love of the world and the anxieties that the world creates. Debbie Witte did a great job this morning talking about the anxieties that we face. But in our Brood Awakenings uh, Sunday school class, that's, that's the early morning Sunday school class for, for, for you guys who um, need our workers and come in and, and, and are serving in other capacities. It's a great time to catch a Sunday school class if you're having to work during Sunday school class. And we appreciate all those who are able to be there for that. Good, good stuff, good stuff. Before this, Matthew chapter 6, in, in the first part of that, Jesus is talking about giving. He's talking about praying. He's talking about denying self. And he's looking at the spiritual life of the believer. And, and, and each one of these, we, we realize that Jesus was saying, we don't do this to receive the praise of man. He said, basically saying, look, we do this conspicuously to before the Lord only, so that we can gain glory and honor in the presence of God, not in anyone else's eyes. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Don't give so that you can shine it out and say, look what I've done. We give, we pray, because we want a greater relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
The idea is, is that it's not, it, we have to be cautious of the temporal things of the world and how they can entangle us. So we have to be careful of how we view the things of this world and how the things of the world are looked at in our eyes. I mean, John 17, 15 says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. This is Jesus praying. But keep them from the evil one. So the Lord has a purpose for us to be here. So many times we're like, I don't want to work in this place, or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to do that because it's so evil. But maybe the Lord has planted you where you are for such a time as this, for you to be his hands and feet and the light of God to that community of unbelievers. This is prayer. I do, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. The, bra- the basic principle that is laid before us that Jesus laid out is don't lay up your treasures on earth, but lay your treasures up in heaven. Now, the rest that he shares out of the scriptures really reasons and, and, and the rationale behind the principle. The Lord could have just said, don't do this. But, you know, the Lord loves us and he wants us to understand what his reasonings are, right? Where moth and rust and decay or thieves can't steal the earthly treasures. 1 John 2, 15 through 7, says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The the world is passing away, and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Amen? Now, don't be confused with this understanding. Jesus declares in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not talking about that same love. It's talking about love for the worldly things. It's not talking about the love for the people that God's created that he wants to see saved, he wants to see transformed. It's being careful of of adapting and, and compromising into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the lies and the pride of life, right? There's a real danger of prosperity. Look at a nation who's been the most prosperous nation in the last hundred years. What has happened? Right? When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Have we forgotten that God has given us the good land? He goes on and says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinance and his statutes which I have commanded you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them and when your herds and your flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold have multiplied and all that you have has multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. There's a danger of prosperity that people will get so caught up in their selves, so caught up in trying to keep up with everybody else, so caught up in a dream that they lose sight of the vision 
of God. God help us, right? I mean, worldly riches bring their share of woes, don't they? I mean, Solomon was worried about who would inherit all of his wealth that he had labored and amassed. And he feared that somebody would foolishly spend everything he had gained. Right? I had a great uncle who, uh, he, he was so tight, he squeaked when he walked. No, I'm just kidding. He was so tight that he would walk behind his wife in the grocery store and she'd put something in the basket and he would take it out and put it back on the shelf. He was so tight that when, when they ordered the medicines and he found out how much it cost, he sent it back. He said, we, I'm, we're not paying that. And here's, here's a, this is my great uncle. Here's a man who lived in one of the Mill Village houses that looked almost run down. That ended up with Alzheimer's and going to Columbia in, in a facility in Columbia. His wife found out that he had stashed over a million dollars. The guy was a millionaire living in a matchbox who had a son that was an alcoholic that within less than a year spent every dime he had amassed. Can't take it with you. Sadly, I mean, it's sad, right? <laughs> Solomon said this. He's talking about hating life. He said, so I hate life for the work which, which had been done under the sun. This is Ecclesiastes 2.17. The work that had been done under the sun was grievous to me because everything is, is, futilely and stri- is futility and strive for life. Verse 18, thus I hated all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun for I must leave it to the the man who will come after me. (laughs) Sound about right? Verse 19, and who knows whether he will be wise, a wise man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the fruits of my labor which all I have labored at by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. (laughs) Hey, the moral of the story is raise good children. (laughs) You know, I was the overseer of the eastern territory of Honduras, and the La Mosquitia men, these pastors, we we started a plan. uh, The national office put together a package plan, and and we, we, we put together a life insurance plan. And all these pastors were like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm like, guys, this is for your family. If something happens to you, this will help uh, give a little bit of funds to your, to your wife to take care of your kids. <laughs> and this is, the, this is serious, guys. This is the mentality. I'm not leaving something for them to give to their next husband. <laughs> I got a few amens. <laughs> I wasn't in an amen moment. <laughs> oh, me. But that was the mentality. I said, how sad that we think in such a manner, right? The psalmist 
observed in Psalms 39, 6, says, Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely the biz- they busy themselves in vain. And he heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. <laughs> wow. When you look at Luke chapter 12, Luke's gospel records this. He said, and he told them a parable saying, the land of, of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store all my crops? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And verse 19 says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for, my, for many years to come. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared. So this, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This, this does not sound like the American dream message, does it? <laughs> yeah, oh me, right? <laughs> I want us to understand that Jesus is talking about treasures. And, 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 and so many times we only consider treasures as monetary things, right? Treasures is our finances, and the bottom line is the, what's in the bank account. But in reality, treasures is anything that we have that we consider valuable. My daddy used to carry a card. He said, uh, this is my pride and joy, and it wasn't a picture of his kids. It was a bottle of pride and a bottle of joy, Right? But isn't that our treasures? Sometimes our treasure is our job. And, 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 and we do everything we can to find ourselves successful in our job. We do everything we can to, to go to the next level. And we do everything we can to want what we want, get what we got, right? And yet we often sacrifice the things that are eternal for the things that are temporal. We make that our our pride, we make that our joy, we make that our excitement, we make that, that, that our whole life is wrapped around one thing. And it's not bad that we need to gain finances for your family. I mean, you've got to take care of your family, right? But when it becomes the, the love of your life, because the Bible says that that love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And so when our life is so wrapped up around a job that it becomes the God of our life, it becomes the heart of our, of our life, then is it really what, where God wants it to be in the, in the ladder of our priorities? I mean, so often we think of things as priceless, right? We go through our house and we try to get rid of something, and, and, and how many know we, we, got, we have our storage rooms filled, we have our closets, so you open the door, it all falls out on us. Like, woo, we have all this stuff. We go through it, try to get rid of it, like, well, well I, but somebody so-and-so gave me that. <laughs> right? Oh, my favorite person, they gave me this. I can't get rid of that, right? Priceless. Uh, my 
son, many of y'all know Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, My son has challenged me to watch, rewatch the Lord of the Rings, and it lines up all right with the book, has some moments. But uh, I think of of Schmeagel. Schmeagel. All right? How many of y'all have seen it? It's all right. We're Church of God. We've been to a movie. Schmeagel. He gets it. He he gets the ring and 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 I think it's one five number five. Kind of gives the backstory of Schmeagel and and how he was a hobbit and how he found this ring and how this ring led him into being the creature that he became because he was so caught up in just the ring, my precious. Right? Would do anything for. My precious. How many things do we allow to be my precious in our lives? How many things do we, we, we can't miss? We've got to do that because that's my precious. How many times do we, do we set aside the things of God for the things of the world? Where is our heart? Amen? I mean, our homes can become that thing. The success of ministry, the, 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 the idea of growing a big church can become the most important thing rather than truly just surrendering to Jesus and letting him have his way. I had a friend of mine who pastored a little small mountain church in Georgia. He said he got got condemned because his church never grew. It was just a little small 30-member church. He said, but man, we see the power of God taking place. He said, we see people come and get saved and we send missionaries out. He said, but our area is so small that people don't stay in our area and we're just a small church. Guys, it's not about being a 3,000-member church. It's not about... Are we, are we big in numbers, but what matters is, is are we truly discipling people that God has sent us? Are we truly surrendered to the will of God so that we are walking in the presence of God so that when God sends us someone that we can see them set free walking in the presence and power of God themselves? That's more important than anything else. And if God chooses for us to grow numerically, then praise God, let it be. Amen. I got a couple amens. (laughs) The real idea is is that this is not how many possessions you have, but how many possessions has you. It's not how many possessions you have, it's how many possessions have you. Because that's the bottom line, because that is where your heart is. It's a heart issue, right? So, so what is your attitude toward the things of the world? What is the attitude toward the possessions? What is your attitude towards these things? Jesus says, lay up your treasures in heaven. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we've got to get this thing right with Jesus. Your heart has to be right with the Lord. 
You have to surrender to the Lord Jesus, that he is the center of your life. That It's not that works. Say, you don't get saved by works. How many understand that? For by faith you're saved through grace, that not of yourself, but it is a gift of God, right? It is a gift of God. But we have to allow God, right, to come into our heart. We have to surrender to him. Lord, have your way in me, right? That's number one. How do we lay up treasures? Well, first we give our life to the Lord Jesus. Second is, is that we invest, we invest in the things that we have, we invest into and for the kingdom of God. Try to be careful here, okay? Walking lightly, tightrope. <laughs> what are we investing our children into? Because if our children are our treasure, a gift of God. If they're our treasure, what do we invest them into? And what are we investing in them? Because the priorities that you place in your children today are the priorities that they will live out tomorrow. And if we want to see the kingdom advanced, we want to invest in our children, we want the kingdom of God to grow, where are your children today? Because if we put everything else as the priority over being a part of the body of Christ, then what are we telling our children? That the body of Christ is not as important as it used to be. I mean, I used to, I, I, I don't know how I make fun of this. I, I was drugged. Every time the door was open, my mom dragged me into church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every revival night that there was, I was sitting somewhere on the front, near the front, so she could keep her eyeballs on me. Uh -huh. I mean, how many was raised like that? Where is the value and the importance of being a part of the body of Christ today? Every tournament. Everything else takes precedent over the body of Christ. And if we are not willing to invest into our children truth and we're not willing to invest our children into the body of Christ, then what are we investing them in? It's not just about money that we invest because discipleship has to be done not just on Wednesday night with the youth group. Discipleship has to be done every single day. We have to invest in our children the truth of God's word because the world is investing in them every corrupt thing, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if we are not countering it with the truth of God, what are we bringing our children up into? Amen. We have to learn that they are so valuable. Amen? <laughs> we have to invest our time. And I'm thankful, you've heard me say this over and over again over the past, past few weeks, that I'm so thankful for a church of volunteers. So many of you are involved in so many different things within this body. And, and I'm thankful for a church that's open just about seven days a week. There's something going on, and I'm excited about that. We need to invest our time. We need to invest our talent. Well, somebody said, well, I'm not valuable. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are. I'm not worth anything. I'm here to tell you that you are. I don't have anything to give. I'm here to tell you you do. Amen? Amen? I mean, look, I borrowed this $100 from somebody, so 
It's pretty valuable, isn't it? I'd like to have a handful of them. <laughs> How many wants this? How many would want $100? Some of y'all just lied right now. You didn't raise your hand. So many times we look at the face value of something. We think it's, that, and this is a nice, clean, crisp. This has been hiding in somebody's wallet for a long time. It's the hidden treasure. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is that I can crumble up. Just an old water sheet of paper now, isn't it? I can throw it down here and just stomp on it. If I had a knife, I'd stab it, but I ain't got a knife. My daddy said, I always carry a knife. I asked him if he got a knife on, he said, I got my pants on, don't I? <laughs> I can rip it. <laughs> the voice of someone who may have loaned it to me spoke out. The fact is, is that no matter how dirty, no matter how grimy, no matter how, if it's got clipped ends or ripped in half, if it's been stomped on, treated bad, no matter what, how many would still want this? Because it still has value. It still has value. And the reality is, is that some of us feel like we're unworthy. We're afraid to surrender our lives to Jesus. We're afraid to say, I'm, I, what use am I in the kingdom of God? I've been broken. I've been stepped on. I've been cut. I've been bruised. My life is in shambles. I am not worth anything. But I'm here to tell you, no matter how much you've been stomped on, no matter how much you've been crumbled up, no matter how much people have spoken against you, there's still a God who loves you and you are valuable in his sight. I don't care what anybody else says. God's looking for you to be the investment into the kingdom of God. He's looking for people who will say, yes, Lord, send me. This is the same one who said, Lord, here am I. He said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. But in the end, when Jesus said, whom shall I send? He said, here I am, God, send me. Send me. I don't know who you are this morning who might feel like I'm unworthy or I'm incapable or I, I, I'm, I've, I've, I've already left the building, if you will, in my mind. I'm no longer a part. I've, I've, I've stepped out for too long. I'm here to tell you that no matter if you're 8 or 80 or 9 or 90, God still has a place for you. God's still looking for valuable people to step up and be a part of his kingdom plan. He needs you. He's called you. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that your word declares as a principle, don't lay your treasures up in heaven where the moth and the rust corrupt, deteriorate, 
where thieves can break in and steal. But lay your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Lord, I pray that my heart, I pray that our hearts are focused on your plan. I pray that our heart is surrendered to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that we are truly evaluating, even right now, God, evaluating what is the priority of my life. Am I invested into the kingdom of God? Am I investing my time? Am I investing my talent? Am I investing my treasure in all the things that we consider treasure, that we're investing it in you? Or is some of my treasure, Lord, are they distractions that keep me from drawing near to you? And Lord, I pray that we will divest in anything that would keep us from allowing you to do your work in us. Lord, I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing, Lord, for, for amazing things to take place in this body of believers. Lord, I believe you have called us for such a time as this to touch our community. And Lord, all these young people that, that come through this building throughout the week to, through homeschool co-op, all the children who come through the doors for Parents' Day Out program, all those who enter in for Celebrate Recovery on Monday night, Lord, I pray that, that you will help us to invest in seeing lives transformed, seeing the the gospel be implanted into a generation of people who need you. Lord, help us to be sensitive to your spirit. Lord, we thank you, God, that you've given us provisions. Thank you, God, that you care about us and that you're walking with us. But Lord, help us not to forget that as a body of believers, we are called for kingdom purpose. And Lord, give us the audacity to do your work in spite of the intimidation of the world. Let us keep you, only you, enthroned on our heart so that we can declare where our heart is, is with the Lord. Our heart is with you, Lord. Thank you, God, for caring for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our ushers are going to come and serve us communion. But if you would say, Pastor, I have a, I have a need, and I need, I need you to pray for me this morning. Would you raise your hand? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let me, let me tell you something. The Lord knows exactly what you're facing. God is not unaware. He knows every request that you have. Raise that hand again. If you see a hand around you, would you put your hands on them? Would you just lay your hands on them? Let's believe right now. We're believing for miracles. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for a miracle to take place. Lord, the absolute, all-powerful name of Jesus, we speak over every one of these requests right now. God, we declare your goodness. We declare your miracles. We declare healing and provision and life. Lord, I pray that every brokenness, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to bring healing in their heart, renew their strength. 
Thank you, God, that you are at work even right now, Lord. And by faith, every hand that was raised was raised in faith, believing. And we as a body are standing in agreement right now. You, O oh Lord, fulfill your plan. You, O oh Lord, have your way. Do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just look up, your help is on the way. Turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full, look full in his wonderful appreciate all of our ushers and all of our greeters our security team actually has a meeting right after service and so if you're part of the security team um, or if you'd like to be on the security team uh, Miss Sally raise your hand back there we'll be meeting in the commons right after service love you to be a part of that team but Sean and I were talking the fact that you know I know that we do this once a month, but I never want this to become 
a religious quest that we do. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Our desire is not for a religious event. It's to remember our Lord and what he's done. If you want to stand with me. When Jesus was at the table with his disciples, he took the bread. The Bible said he broke it. He said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Would you take that? Lord, I pray that we would never forget the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, I pray that we would never take advantage or for granted the awesome enormous gift that you gave us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Jesus, for willing to be broken, that you came voluntarily to be broken in our place. Lord, we have it so easy in the sense that we can trust you and that we can surrender to you And your death accounts for ours. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice. He took the cup as a a sign of the new covenant. Blood is a covenant. He took the cup. He said, drink it as a sign of the new covenant. Lord, as often as we do this, I pray, God, that we will remember your death. But Lord, also that we can celebrate that it was through your resurrection that we have resurrection power today. And Lord, as we signify in baptism that we are, that we are dead and buried along with you and raised into new life with you. I pray, God, that we will truly walk out a life that is is a part of the new covenant that you have for us. And Lord, that we will not take for granted or take lightly the gift that you've given us, but Lord, that we will walk completely surrendered to your will, living, transformed, invested in your kingdom purpose and your kingdom plan. Lord, we surrender today to you and we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be seated right quick. Be seated. I have a, a couple families that are going to be joining the church this morning. If you would, if you would come forward. We have the Borings, the Hudsons, Cody Otis family and if got some more Cody Odysseys 
Miss Watson, Tammy, good to see you. So thankful for all of you guys, and and we are looking forward to the investment that you are this local body. We already see the fruits of that. Uh, we're thankful for your dedication, your commitment, and this is something that I am required to read. And if you will just answer with a I do, I will, yes, and amen, or something, you know, of that uh, affirmative action. <laughs> you realize in presenting yourself for membership that you are assuming a solemn obligation and it is expected that you will always be true to your promise and faithfully fulfill and discharge your obligation as a loyal member. Do you publicly confess and testify that you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior in the full pardon of your sins? Come on. Are you willing to walk in the light of the Scripture as it shines on your path? Are you willing to abide by and subscribe to the disciplines of the Church of God as outlined by the Scripture and set forth in the minutes of the International General Assembly? Are you willing to support the church with your attendance and temporal means to the best of your ability as the Lord prospers you? It asked me to ask this question. Is there any uh, member who has a legal obligation um, that, for a reason for them not to join? That's the stink eye look, just to make sure you all understand. Just telling you right there, buddy. Um, well, by the authority invested in me as the Church of God member, minister, it is my pleasure to welcome you into the family of the local congregation, but also into the greater Church of God. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. All right, so what we're going to do, you're dismissed, but if you will, if you'll come by and you will give these folks what they call the right hand of fellowship, let them know you're glad to have them here. Come give them a hug, high five, shake hands. Come on.